the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, Matthew Parsons. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thanks. What can I do for you? What is Ghost Echoes? Ghost Echoes is a music history podcast with secret rules. Rule number one is... And then rule number two states that... And rule number three is that I'm not allowed to tell the listeners what the first two rules are. If you want to figure it out, you're going to have to subscribe to Ghost Echoes wherever you get podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hold up, son. Word. Yeah. To all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. For real, niggas who ain't got no feelings. Check it out now. I got you stuck off the realness. We be the infamous. Man, for those that know, I don't even have to explain what that was. Because that's probably the most recognizable introduction in rap music. Sure. You could probably say that there are other introductions that are as recognizable, but there is no introduction that is more recognizable than that 30 second clip that we just heard right there. You know, for those that don't know, if you were listening to that, you heard that hi-hat come in, clicking like an old pilot light on a busted stove, and you didn't know by the first snare hit what that song was. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Because a few seconds later, when that like Hitchcock sounding organ thing screeches in, and when that first fucking kick drum hits the bass followed by four of the most quoted lyrics in rap music I got goosebumps I've heard that song probably over a thousand times in my life and I get goosebumps every single time I don't smoke I never really have but that 30 seconds of music always makes me want a damn cigarette. I don't even know why. So this is new to you? Whew. Because everybody that's listening right now that knows this song, that knows that distorted and grimy warped piano sample, they are pissed because they were ready to go in on that verse and I cut them off after the first two lines. 
And I feel the same way because, full disclosure, I kept screwing up the edits for this audio because instead of cutting it, placing it, getting to work on writing, I just kept letting the song play. <laughs> Which is why, if you're still confused by all this, if you don't recognize any of the sounds that you've heard so far, I'm excited for you. Because I, I can't even explain what a privilege it is to be the one. Like, like a real honor to be the person that introduces you to Mob Deep and their 1995 masterpiece, their opus, The Infamous. Sunny shook, cause ain't no such things as halfway crooks. Scared to death and scared to look, they shook. Cause ain't no such things as halfway crooks. Scared to death and scared to look. Living the life that of diamonds and guns. There's numerous ways you can choose to earn funds. Some get shot, locked down, and turn nuns. Cowardly hearts and straight up shook ones. Shook ones. He ain't a crook, son. He just a shook one. Welcome. Season 9 of The Opus Brought to you by Consequence of Sound and Southern Legacy Recordings I'm your host, Andy Bothwell And this record You know, I'm not exaggerating I really feel excited About the idea of being the person to introduce Thousands of other people to this record When I write this show I try really hard to avoid falling into the trap of nostalgia. I don't want to make this podcast to just preach to the choir. I want to introduce people to great music they haven't heard, or if they have heard, at least bring in a bunch of people that can show them a new side or a new way to listen to a record that they love. And while this album, The Infamous, is beloved by hip-hop heads all over the world. It's not a record that's permeated the rest of our culture like a lot of other artists from that era have. Jay-Z or Biggie, Wu-Tang, you know, Snoop, Pac, even Nas. But if you're asking me, and this is just me talking, this is my opinion, chill, rap fans. I put this record, Mob Deep's The Infamous, over the best records from all of those artists. Which is no disrespect to any of those artists, because I love all of those artists. I just love this record a little more. So this is why I'm so excited to teach people about this record. And why I'm particularly thrilled that this is the first rap record that we cover on the Opus. Because this record is important. Beyond rap music. This record belongs in a list with Miles Davis' Bitches Brew. Because it pushed boundaries of a genre and made an indelible, permanent, lasting impact on that genre the same way that Bitches Brew did. And I assure you, it can stand toe-to-toe with Willie Nelson's Red-Headed Stranger because the lyrics, the imagery, the sonic landscapes that Mob Deep create on this record, they are just as clear and cinematic as Willie did on his masterpiece. And yes, I put this record right up there with London Calling by The Clash, and if you know me, and if you listen to The Clash season, you know how important that record is to me. 
Because this record showed me and thousands of people just like me, a part of the world we didn't know existed, just like The Clash did. And for the people that were living in that world, the people that lived in the world of the infamous, it isn't just a collection of great songs. It's an affirmation. It's a living, breathing document. It's the raw and brutal truth shouted from the top of a project tower and echoing across the globe. It's like an audio to go plate. You know what I'm saying? If you wanted to, you know, I'm like, yo, I don't want to be in the hood no more, but I want to take a little bit with me. This is my old friend, Hank Craig. You know, in a weird way, I probably wouldn't be hosting this podcast right now if I hadn't faced off with head crack in a rap battle in a reggae bar in Dallas, Texas 20 years ago, but that's like a long story for another time. Head crack, you can probably tell from that accent, is originally from the Bronx, but his family, when he was younger, moved him down to Dallas, and that's where I met him. Between then and now, he's continued to rap, but he's also made a name for himself in hip-hop radio. For years, as one of the hosts of the wildly successful Ricky Smiley Show, and now he's launched his own nationally syndicated radio show called The Morning Hustle. I wanted to talk to him because he's a rap music encyclopedia. But his relationship to this record, to the infamous, proved to be surprisingly personal. My grandfather was from Far Rockaway, Queens. My uncles lived in Queens. And I had an aunt that lived in Queens. So I spent a lot of time in Queens, you know, as a kid, just going in and out. And it's just like, yo, like, it's the type of danger most people will never get a chance to understand. Like, you know, and it, it captured all that. And for crack, having been moved out of New York City by his folks, settled in this strange land of the suburbs of Dallas, Texas, the infamous wasn't just a great album. It was a life preserver. It was a connection to the city that he felt so disconnected from surrounded by so many people who couldn't possibly understand what it was like to live there. I remember being just, you know, on a school bus with my, with my Walkman on, sitting by myself, listening to some shit that no one could understand. Because, like, you know, you've never, you haven't been to this area. You, you know, all you know is the burbs. You're not going to get any of this. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it meant so much to me because it was like, it was like chipping off a piece of the Berlin Wall, if you're from Berlin, and bringing it with you as you left, you know, like Berlin, you know what I mean? Like that's how I felt this music was. It was a piece of home and it's special for people who were touched by it at the time. Which is why before we get into what makes this album so great, you have to start with the place. Before we talk about the incredible storytelling and the lyrics or the brilliant, vivid landscapes of the music or the fact that every goddamn song on this album just plain knocks you have to start with the place it was made. Because for as brilliant as Prodigy and Havoc, the two men that make up Mob Deep, have proven to be at their art and their craft, for better or for worse, this record would not have existed. And there probably would have never been a Mob Deep if it wasn't for the Queensbridge housing project. Hey yo, Queens get the money, long time, no cash. I'm caught up in the hustle where the guns go blast. So I had to think fast Pull out my heat first seat, pull out a seat last Now who the fuck you think is living to this day? I'm trying to tell these young niggas crime don't pay They looked at me and said Queens niggas don't play Do your thing, I'll do my kids, stay out of my way Type hard trying to survive in New York State But can't stop till I'm eating off a platinum plate Popo comes around and tries to relocate me Lock me up forever but they can't deflate me cause 
Having cash is highly addictive, especially when you used to have the money to live with. The Queensbridge Housing Projects, where a lot of this album was written and demoed, are still, to this day, the largest housing project in the Western Hemisphere. They house almost 7,000 people in two giant blocks of buildings. They're so big, they're like a small city. And in the 80s and 90s especially, they were some of the worst project houses in America. Crime and drugs were out of control, and poverty was the norm. But like most of the failed housing projects in America, those were not the cause of the problems, but the symptoms. Decades of systematic racial segregation, high-level corruption, social isolation, mismanagement, landlords' abusive tenants, those are all just some of the cards in a whole deck that was stacked against the people living in Queensbridge. Life there, you know, to quote another brilliant Mob Deep record, was hell on earth. But let's be clear. When Headcrack talks about those kids riding the bus next to him, they couldn't possibly understand what a place at Queensbridge was like. That's me. I grew up in the suburbs of Jacksonville, Florida. I got this album the year it came out in 1995, and I've been listening to it ever since, but for all of my research, for everything that I've learned, no matter how many times I rap along to these songs, I can't possibly understand what life was like for Mob Deep living in Queensbridge back then. For me, this album is a documentary. It's a movie I watch and absorb and have learned so much from but can turn off whenever I want. For them. Let me tell you, our life was a fucking movie. You know what I'm saying? Part of my French. But <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, is Havoc. One half of Mob Deep. The man behind the beats. A legendary rapper in his own right. And someone who can speak on what life is like growing up in Queensbridge. <laughs> it, like, real talk. When the actual movie comes out, the Mob Deep story, it just all makes sense. You know, I like was a movie. It was like unreal. You know, the things that was happening. When I think about it now, I don't even think me having today. I don't think I could survive that. It was just like you hear on the record. It was crazy out there. This is Scott Free. He's one of the people who was responsible for helping launch Mob Deep's career. He was one of the A and R's and executive producers on the album itself. Gas going off every other night. Somebody gets shot every other day. You know, crack still being sold. Fucking, you know, fiends, whatever, jealous dudes, the whole bit. And while Prodigy didn't grow up in Queensbridge, his life wasn't too much different a little further east in Hempstead on Long Island and then Left Rack City Projects in Queens. So when they met in high school, they hit it off immediately because it was clear they were cut from the same cloth. Well, didn't you guys become friends after some guy tried to stab you? Oh, yeah. You know, as teenagers, you know, I used to be doing like some really dumb stuff, like bothering kids, trying to take stuff from kids. And this one kid wasn't having it. He pulled out a knife, tried to stab me or whatever. And, you know, I made a big scene of it when I went back into the school. And, you know, Prodigy was around at that time. And that's when we probably got a little bit more familiar. (laughs) We could laugh about it now. But I'm not bringing these details up to glorify them or romanticize them. I'm bringing it up because this was reality for Prodigy and Havoc. And though Prodigy wasn't from Queensbridge, once they became friends, it sort of became their shared base for making music and for causing a lot of trouble. So you have to start this story in Queensbridge because for those of us that didn't grow up in a place like that, that can't possibly understand what it was like, 
you can realize that what you hear on this record, the stories they're telling, they aren't coming from their vivid imaginations. They're coming from their life. First time I met P, we're up in RCA building. We're back with Scott Free here. He's talking about the first time that he met Prodigy. I notice he's walking and he's, you know, he's got his hoodie, like some shit under his jacket. I'm like, the fuck is under your jacket, yo? You know, but I'm, I'm thinking that to myself, but I'm like, whatever. So, you know, the ink is pretty much drawing the contract, you know what I mean? And, you know, we just officializing shit and just talking direction and, you know, how soon they could get in and when they're going to get their front end or whatever. I asked P, I said, yo, what's, you know, what's going on out there in Queensbridge these days, you know? I said, what's it like out there? And he said, what is, what is it like? He unzipped his jacket, pulled up his fucking shirt, and had a Tech 9 in this motherfucking place. <laughs> For those that don't know, a Tech 9 is not an insignificant gun. It is a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. I, le- I, yeah, I was in shock, like, yo, this little motherfucker... Got a fucking Tech 9 up here in this corporate-ass RCA office building. Like, he just got a deal. And this is this is how we start. This is how we starting off? Fuck, you know? That's how it started off. Because that's how it had been the whole time. Take the kid out of Queensbridge, but, you know, can't take the Queensbridge out of the kid, right? It's important to know these things with this group. Because rap music is different now. Not to name names or kick up any dirt, but there's just a lot more theater in it. So you could be forgiven if you were unfamiliar with Mob Deep and you were to listen to the infamous with contemporary ears and think what you're hearing is more scripted drama than documentary. So when you listen to a song like Temperatures Rising and you hear Prodigy and Havoc rapping verses to a friend on a run from the cops, it's such a compelling story. And told in such a smart narrative framework that it would be understandable if you thought this was just great writers writing great fiction. But it was not. You know, temperatures rising wasn't a fun time, man. We're still with the executive producer, Scott Free, here. Killer B just blamped somebody. Havoc's brother, you know, he's on the run. We're still in the studio. You know, we're stashing them here, we're stashing them there. Shit is, you could tell it's eating up fucking have my brother was like my best friend and we're back with havoc he was a prominent figure in my life even though he was my younger brother you know what i mean it was my only brother he kept it real it was a real interesting figure so when he caught that case you know it was a big deal to us because you know when people catch cases like that you know a homicide case come on now who 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 overcomes those who beats those we young we black you're fucking going to jail, right? No matter if you're innocent or guilty, you know what I'm saying? You're uh, you're definitely going to jail. So that was heavy on our mind because I'm sure we was like, you know, when he finally get caught, that's the last of him. Remember, they're still kids. They're not even old enough to drink. They got a record deal, and they're in the studio working on the album they hope will sell enough records to get them out of the projects. And they're trying to hold all that together while Havoc's brother, Killer Black, is on the run for a murder charge. They're hiding him in the studio from the cops while they're working on music. That is a level of pressure that most of us will never face in our entire lives. And they're dealing with that the only way they know how. 
what do you do? You're an artist, right? You go in, you, you, you lay down your truth. We're back with Scott Free. Everything you hear in, you know, temperatures rising is actually what they were living at that point in time, you know? What up, son? I heard they got you on the run for a body. That's not made up shit. That's real life. You really living that. What up, son? I heard they got you on the run for a body. Now it's time to stash the guns. They probably got the phones tapped, so I won't speak long. Give me a hot second, and I'ma put you on. It's all messed up, somebody snitching on the crew. And word is on the street is they got pictures of you. Homicide came to the crib last night, six deep. Asking on your whereabouts and where you sleep. They said they just want to question you. But me and you know that once they catch you, all they do is just arrest you, then arraign you, hang you. I don't think so. It's a good thing you bounce for now to stay low. Once in the blue, I check to see how you're doing. I know you need loot, so I send it to As heavy as this record can be, this is what sets Mob Deep and the Infamous apart from their contemporaries. There isn't any of the idealized lifestyle fantasy that comes with a Biggie record or a Jay-Z record. You don't listen to this album and wish you were Mob Deep. You listen to this album and wish it weren't true. Uh, it feels like a cautionary tale almost because all of this shit is negative. All of this shit is fucking bad, you know? This is Murs. Murs is a rapper from Los Angeles. He's worked with everybody. And for a long time, he was also the curator and promoter of one of the biggest rap festivals in America, the Pay Dues Festival, which coincidentally booked one of Mob Deep's first reunion shows after a long hiatus where they played the infamous front to back. And I was carrying like a hatchet in my backpack because I didn't have enough fucking weed money to buy a gun yet. That's when like some of my friends started tag banging and homies started getting shot over tagging. And I was like, I'm not nah. <laughs> like, no, not on the East Coast, not on the West Coast. I am not with this shit. But the music is dope. And so they were like a, a cautionary tale. I was like, OK, they were telling what they were living. I was becoming a man and I was like, I don't want to drink Hennessy and, and shoot people. Shit, all my homies that live that are kicking it with me are in that shit, but I'm still down with a lot of knuckleheads, you know? But I'm not a fucking knucklehead. So yeah, that's I guess that that's what it was. it was. I saw what they were becoming and yeah, it could have been me. And um but i still like like rock you in your face, stab your brain with your nose bone, like the vivid imagery and the um vocabulary and the beats, I was with all that shit. So why was this record the cautionary tale for you? and not, say, Illmatic that came out of Queensbridge the year before? Nas was the dude at the desk. Mob Deep were the dudes out there with the microphone. <laughs> Street CNN. Like, standing in front of the police tape, like, getting pushed over by the hurricane. Nas was like, okay, and that was Prodigy. <laughs> like, Prodigy's like, yo, Don, we out here. <laughs> <laughs> and both, I'm tuned in to both, but I was like, yo, it just had a feel. But I mean, even with Illmatic and Infamous, we're talking Cristal versus Ace of Spades. Like, it's high-end shit. It's, I'm not saying Illmatic is trash. It's, like, I, it's my sophisticated palate that says I slightly yeah. prefer... <laughs> the notes of Old English that you're picking up in the Infamous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just prefer the 95 to the 94 Queensbridge. I don't you know. It's like, <laughs> like that's, that's it. You know, it's classic. You know what I mean? It's fucking magic. You know, it's my preference. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I opened my eyes to the streets while I was raised as a man and learned to use my hands for protection and scuffle the storm. I blow some doubles. I'm coming from Queens, motherfucker, carrying guns and couples and wilding. A QU so 
soldier From left rack to Rockaway Back to Queensbridge Black and only crack sales Making niggas act like that Back in the days we could scrap Now you lay on your back This things change with time I traded in my knuckles for a Mac 10 And rather live the life of crime With my best stock connection Connected to two It's live star shit too wild for you Peace to base leave 40p get down And when you're out of town With most of the great rappers of the day They all come from similar circumstances as Mob Deep. But it could feel like there was always a thin veil separating you from the real them on the record. And with Biggie and Jay-Z, you felt like you would get these flashes of the real them, these moments of raw emotion. But then, you know, they would revert back to this fantasy that they were building for you, which... This is an incredibly dope fantasy. Don't get me wrong. I love Biggie and Jay-Z. But with Mob Deep, it doesn't even feel like there are flashes of fantasy. With them, it's raw emotion all the time, straight out the gut. It's not like they're even showing you their scars. It's like they're showing you their open fucking bullet wounds. And I get what Murz is saying about Nas. He was like the news anchor. Or a columnist, you know... He's such a brilliant observer of society and the world. He's operating with this incredible heightened language, showing you sides of a story that you hadn't thought of. But Mob Deep, they're like the beat reporters. They're Jimmy Breslin. They're the first guys on the scene. And when their story runs, it is stone cold facts. And if you look at Nas, he's writing how a lot of songwriting traditionally goes, which is that he's explaining and expressing himself in terms that you wouldn't use outside of like a creative medium. This is Paul Thompson. He's a contributing writer for Pitchfork, a fantastic hip hop writer with bylines for Vice, Noisy, The Ringer, everybody. Whereas almost all the rhymes on the infamous are things you would say outside. It, it makes the threats or like, sentences that have really high stakes seem to hit really hard even when they're not absurd language or like there aren't 38 days it's just like one guy has a gun you think and that sounds scary because it sounds like you're having a conversation on sidewalk as opposed to this is something i'm thinking about in my room which is not a measure of believability it's a measure of what is your actual daily conversation like I have always loved a lot of the Noid stuff on the record, but especially that first long acapella thing. Havoc says that's just something that he always like said on the block. He would just stand outside and freestyle, and that was his favorite rhyme. And he said it all the time, so they're like, well, just come and say it. So it wasn't their friend who they sat down and said, write about your life. They said, we're making a record about us in our neighborhood this is something we hear in our neighborhoods, so here he is. Yo, son, world is born, done. Sometimes I wish I had three different faces. I'm going to court for three cases in three places. One in Queens, Manhattan, one in Brooklyn. The way things is looking, I'ma see sent you bookings. Facing three, three to nines is mad time. After rent concurrent for assaulting two nines, I gotta maintain. Cause stress on the brain can lead to a motherfucking suicide thing. And plus my probation, a L violation. How the fuck did I get in this tight situation? I'm going all out. You know moves I never fake. And fuck the Jake, they can catch me at my wake. And if I die, burn the bag of blade. Put the lie in the air. Sometimes I just don't care. That is the start of track five on the album. It's called the Just Step Prelude. That was Big Noid that was rapping. Prodigy has a 
legendary verse that follows up after it. I'm sorry that I had to cut it off. But what Paul is saying is right. That's just the verse that their homie used to kick when they were hanging out on the block in Queensbridge. And at the time, Noid wasn't even really trying to rap. Allegedly, he was making too much money selling drugs. But he ended on the album a few times because he could actually rap his ass off. And that verse, like, damn near everything on this record was a true story. He was facing a few different cases in a few different places all at one time, which, damn. And if that's the verse that you kick when you're hanging out with your homies on a Friday night, that's, that's fucking brutal. But it fits perfectly on this album. Because this album is dark and nihilistic. But the details are so sharp. And the storytelling is so flawless, it's almost upsettingly vivid. You know, if you took the slang and the context clues out of the raps, you know, with the minimalistic, plain-spoken, conversational, dagger-sharp delivery, it could be Cormac McCarthy. You know, at times, the imagery on this record, soundtracked by Havoc's haunting production, you change the setting out of Queensbridge, and this could be Edgar Allan Poe. But the difference between McCarthy and Poe and Mob Deep is that when you read The Road and The Cask of Amontillado, you can close those books and calm your brain at night knowing that they're fiction. This is why we watch horror movies, right? It's a safe place for us to exercise our fear without consequences. So it would be only logical for you to listen to the infamous and for your mind to convince itself that it was all just a horrible fantasy, the twisted dream of a brilliant mind. Because that would make it easier, right? Easier for us to sleep at night, cozy in the delusion that a place like Queensbridge, the Queensbridge of Mob Deep's infamous, couldn't possibly exist in America, the greatest country in the world. But it did, and it still does. Only, you can't close the book, put it on your nightstand, and make it all go away. I, I, I'm proud of myself. You know, I, I really am proud of myself. We're back again with Havoc from Mob Deep. That I can survive, you know, um, that, that, that kind of ordeal, you know what I'm saying, growing up in the project, because it's not 100% to make it, and a lot of people that grew up with us at that time didn't make it. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm older now. But when you're that young and young and you're growing up in it, you're living it, you don't have that sense of fear, but you have that sense of urgency that you just want to be great. You want to, you want to do something great, and not, nothing really scares you. And that is what we're going to cover in next week's episode. Because they did survive those projects, and it made them fearless. That pressure cooker they were living in the end turned them both into resourceful, adaptable, wise beyond their years, tough as fucking nails, grown men. And ultimately, the brilliant artists and storytellers you hear on The Infamous. There's a war going on outside, no man is safe from. You could run, but you can't hide forever from these streets that we done took. You walkin' with your head down, scared to look You shook, cause ain't no such things as halfway crooks They never around when the beef cooks in my part of town It's similar to Vietnam Now we all grown up and old and be on the cops control They better have a right I wanna thank my guest this week My old homie Headcrack From the radio show The Morning Hustle 
You can probably hear him on a radio station in your town. It's all over the country. Tune in. Listen to him freestyle his ass off. He's a machine. Big thanks to Murs for bringing that West Coast perspective on things and always making me laugh. He's got a new single out. You should go check it out. Big shout out to Paul Thompson. He's a great writer. He's a piece written about the infamous running online. Just search for his name and Mob Deep. I bet you'll find it. You'd be glad he did. He's good. A huge thanks to Scott Free for giving us the looks inside the studio, looks behind the curtains. We're going to hear a lot more from him and his partner in crime, Matt Life, a.k.a. Mary C., in the weeks to come. Because, man, those two, they got the goods. And last, most certainly not least, big thanks to Havoc for being such a great interview and for giving us this perfect record. If you're not familiar with the infamous, put it on your headphones and go for a long walk at night. Take it all in. See how it makes you feel. See how it makes you feel about the night around you. This record, like Bitches Brew, this is a world that you step into when you listen to it. I think you're going to like it. There are tons of great stories and things for the 25th anniversary of this album over at ConsequenceSound.net. So head on over, see what we got, and know we got a lot more in store. If you like this episode, God, smash that damn subscribe button. Tell your friends. And if you haven't, go back and listen to the old episodes. I promise you'll find an old album that you never knew you love and you will fall in love with it. Because that's what we do with the Opus. Thanks for listening, y'all. For Consequence of Sound, Tony Legacy Recordings. I'm your host, Andy Bothwell, and this is The Opus. Consequence Podcast Network. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tallhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast.